0: Welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the Nuggets content that we produce over here at Mile High Sports. Uh, just type in MileHighSports.com into your browser, click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner, and you will see all the different things that we produce as a staff over at Mile High Sports for the Nuggets. So, we are going to cover game one of the second round of the playoffs for this podcast. The Nuggets beat the Portland Trailblazers at home, 121-113, and what was a game that confirmed a lot of the thoughts that a lot of people already had heading into the series? Um... It was an interesting game because it was a polar opposite of the series that the Nuggets played against the Spurs. The Spurs play at a glacial pace where it's all defense and basically all mid-range shots for them. So it really, like like Popovich said, they kind of took basketball back in time 20 years, which is kind of what that series was. Well, game one against the Portland Trail Blazers was the exact opposite. They zipped straight into the future and were taking some crazy wild shots, tons of pace, lots of scoring, very little defense, and just some ridiculous matchups that the Nuggets were able to exploit. It was a very fun game, it was very interesting, and it really showed... Uh, two of the most dominant players in the NBA right now, really battling it out between Damian Lillard and Nikola Jokic. So what we're going to end up getting into in this podcast is, of course, Jokic dominance once again in this game. He was fantastic in this one, put up another 37 points, nine rebounds, six assists, three steals, and two uh, and two blocks on the night while shooting 11 of 18 from the field. Just a absolutely ridiculous game from Nikola. But not to be not to be outshone. Damian Lillard had himself 39 points, 3 rebounds, and 6 assists to go with a steal, but 6 turnovers while shooting 12 of 21. So in terms of the Battle of the Stars, this game was fun. Um, so yes, Nikola Jokic was dominant, Lillard played very, 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 very well, um, but at the same time, there was a lot of fringe players who also had good games. Jamal Murray had a very well-rounded game once again in this uh, to start out this series. This is what, the fourth straight game now, where Jamal Murray had look like a legitimate second star next to Nikola Jokic and it's been awesome to see. On top of that, and as Cantor, he played very well despite the fact that he's essentially playing one-armed right now. He separated his shoulder in the last series, um, had to battle through it, talked about a shoot-around, how it was tough for him to even get a shirt on and go to bed at night and things like that. But regardless of the pain that he was dealing with, regardless of how intense that pain may actually be, he went out there and put up 26 points on 11-14 of shooting and was very big for the Portland Trail Blazers. But there was just no defense in this game. That was was really what made it such a stark difference in comparison to what the Nuggets and Spurs just went through for seven games. This was a battle of an offensive mindset throughout the entire night, which is why guys like Paul Millsap had a very strong night. Millsap had 19 points on seven of 12 shooting. You had Gary, uh, you had Jamal Murray scoring 23 points on 15 shots. There were so many players in this game that had offensively great nights that it was just it was a much more enjoyable game to watch from my perspective. With that being said though, the no defense is going to be an interesting um, place where the series could take a turn. Whatever team manages to get defense into the into the game first, or into the series first, may end up winning the series. And the Nuggets have a better matchup situation than the Spurs do, which I'll get into a little bit later. Um, the Nuggets bench also outplayed Portland's bench, despite the fact that Rodney Hood went off. The Nuggets now have won four straight games at home. And the last thing I'm going to touch on is how much of a bummer it is that Yusef Nurkic is not playing in this series. He is really the difference maker in terms of how the Nuggets and Blazers match up, and without him and an injured canter, they There's a very lopsided event happening which I'll get into some more. Before I finish up this intro, though, I gotta pay some bills and give some love to The Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who make the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. Without them, this podcast would sound much more amateur than it actually does, so go on to Instagram and show some love to The Regulators Regime, which is what their, um, their at is on Instagram, as well as at Rod Simba. That is R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A. That, those guys are great for all of your audio production needs, so go give them some love, and also terrapin care station who is the presenting sponsor of the denver nuggets daily podcast as i've said countless times there wouldn't be a denver nuggets daily podcast without the support of terrapin care station so before we go any further here's a quick word from terrapin care station we have to start with is of course Nikola Jokic who was just undoubtedly a superstar once again in these playoffs. He just consistently keeps showing up in gigantic ways, and as many people expected him to be huge in this series, I don't think anybody expected him to come out after playing 44 minutes in Game Seven in a very emotional victory, and then play 42 and a half minutes in the Game One with just one day of rest in between, and put up 37 points, nine rebounds, six assists, three blocks. Oh, I'm sorry, three steals and two blocks. That is just stupid production from Nikola Jokic, considering that there's no way he wasn't just absolutely exhausted. I mean... That is absurd that he was able to put up those kinds of numbers so effortlessly, considering the fact that he has played so many minutes and carried such a huge burden for these Denver Nuggets. So for him to do that is insane. And that number, those numbers, 37, 9, 6, 3, and 2, he is only the third player to ever do it. Joining LeBron James, who has done it three times, and Julius Irving, Dr. J himself. So now Nikola Jokic is just the second player ever behind Oscar Robinson to average 23, 12, and 9 in a playoff series. He's the fourth player ever to have 43, 12, and 9 in a playoff game. And now he's the third player ever to have 37, 9, 6, 3, and 2. What he has been able to do is just absolutely insane. I mean, he just keeps doing what he needs to do, and to do it on 11 of 18 shooting, getting to the free throw line 12 times and making all 12 free throws, hitting three of five shots from deep, I don't know what else you can ask for from Nikola Jokic, because in addition to all of this, he's playing some very, very good defense, arguably the best eight-game stretch of defense he's ever played in his life, so Nikola Jokic just keeps rolling, man, like, it, there were a lot of questions, and I've talked about this on the podcast very recently, multiple times, about there were a lot of questions surrounding what kind of Nikola Jokic, what version of him we were going to get, considering that we have never seen him in the playoffs. But the dude is just—nothing phases him. He is just Nikola Jokic all of the time, no matter what circumstances surround him. And that is so— it should make Nuggets fans incredibly excited, as well as the Nuggets front office, because they have a guy that they don't even, they, they, not only just a superstar, a potential top seven player in the NBA entirely, not only is he that, but for him to elevate him his game in this first ever playoffs ever, that is as be, that is the best case scenario for this Nuggets organization, and to see him be this dominant, it was magnificent to see, so... Without going on to more and more rants about how just incredible Nikola Jokic is, it was one of those moments where you realize, like, this dude is for real and he is not slowing down. He knows that he has a monster mismatch against the bigs of the Portland Trailblazers with Yusef Nurkic out in the series, so... For him to go out there and attack that mismatch, that's the differentiation that we have not seen from Nikola Jokic, but yet here he is having multiple 37-point games in his first eight playoff uh, appearances. That is just staggering to see, and it's very good to see from Nikola, considering that they're going to have to rely on him to win this series and maybe get themselves to the Western Conference Finals. Um, The next thing I wanted to get into was how ridiculous Damian Lillard was as well. He put up one of the most quiet 39 points I can remember remember I mean there were moments where he was getting hot but you never felt like he took over at any point in the game and then you looked out at the box score and there he is 39 points on 21 shots like that is just absurd that he was able to put up those numbers and then when you realize that Nikola Jokic and him put up what like 76 points on 39 shots combined like that is just stupid that is a dumbfounding effortless 76 points between two players but Damian Lillard, there were moments where he puts up these shots, there's just no way you feel like they're they're supposed to go in, and they drop, and... As media, like I, I do feel like I've had the pleasure of seeing some incredible things um, live and in person as an analyst watching this game. But when you watch Damian Lillard, there is just a different aura around his shot making ability that is really only comparable compared to Steph Curry. Like that is, it was magnificent to be able to watch him in that kind of a zone once again, and. While, yes, there is a potential to get an even better Damian Lillard game in this series, the Nuggets managed to win this game by 9 points, despite the fact that Lillard had 39 points on 21 shots. I mean, that's, that's as good of a sign for Denver as any in this series. I mean, Canner also, I mean, 11 of 14 from the field for 26 points, had 7 rebounds to go with it, and the Nuggets won. Like, the Nuggets took a hell of a shot from this Portland Trailblazers team and not only met them head-on, but answered back with the fury of their own. Like the, They're going to need... The Portland Trailblazers are going to need four games of Damian Lillard doing at least this level of production. They're probably going to need more production from him to be able to win these games. Because as I keep looking closer and closer, which is something I'll talk about more in the next podcast that I'll have dropping on Wednesday morning slash Tuesday night, is the margin for error for the Portland Trailblazers is much smaller than a lot of people have spoken about, including myself. I mean... The Nuggets did not get a great game from Gary Harris. Tory Craig was a non-factor offensively, and their bench, while good, was just good. They weren't anything special. And on top of that, Lillard had 39, Canner had 26. They got 17 points from Rodney Hood, and the Nuggets still won by nine. Like they out like the Portland Trailblazers out rebounded the Nuggets, shot their best percentage from the field in the playoffs at any given point so far, outshot the Nuggets in this in this game, and the Nuggets still won by nine. Like there are so many things that went in Portland's favor despite it being in Denver and they just look like there was just no chance for this Portland Trailblazers team to find a way to win so I'll talk a bit more about that in the next podcast I think it's an important distinction to make but man for Lillard to go off like that and for them to lose that should be very scary for the Portland Trailblazers and the other thing that should scare the Portland Trailblazers is that Jamal Murray continues to put his best foot forward. Jamal Murray was 8 of 15 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, hit all of his all 4 of his free throws, had 8 assists against just 1 turnover and had 23 points on the night for a game high plus 18. We've talked about extensively on this podcast about how the Nuggets need a second star next to Nikola Jokic, not just to show up at random times, but to consistently play well. The Nuggets have gotten good Gary Harris games and good Jamal Murray games, but they've never consistently been able to rely on somebody that wasn't Nikola Jokic. Well, over the past four games, they've been able to rely on Jamal Murray, who has put together his most well-rounded performances of the season, if you ask me. His creation in the pick and roll and the dribble handoff in the two-man game with Nikola Jokic has been a revelation. His to defensively while struggling in this game a little bit was actually pretty good he was being hidden on Mo Harkless who ended up getting four assists but had three turnovers in this game only took two shots and had two points for Jamal Murray to be hidden on a bigger player like that and to be able to hold him to basically no offensive production whatsoever that's a win for Denver so to see Jamal Murray putting together these these highly skilled playmaking games, these great decision-making games, these highly efficient scoring games while also playing some strong defense, it's changed the equation for the Nuggets because now they have that fide second star who can really help carry the Nuggets when Nikola Jokic needs some help. It's just can he continue to do it consistently? And so far this season, he has not been able to. But in the eight games in these playoffs, after struggling in the first three, he's come on in a big way and has put together five really, really high-level games for it. Denver. And a big reason for the Nuggets winning this was that he outplayed CJ McCollum who had 16 points on 7 of 17 shooting. I mean, if 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 you can outplay CJ McCollum and Nikola Jokic basically plays Lillard evenly, the Nuggets are going to win. Like, that just is the fact of the matter. They don't have, the Portland Trailblazers don't have enough weapons outside of their backcourt to be able to win these games. So, Jamal Murray outplaying C.J. McCollum was a very big deal, I thought. Uh, But the other interesting subplot was that Ennis Cantor, playing with a separated shoulder, only missed three of his 14 shots and had 26 points in the pick and roll at Damian Lillard. This is going to be a very interesting alteration that the Nuggets are going to have to look into, and I'll talk more about this going into the next podcast as well, a lot more in depth. But the Nuggets were selling out on hedging for, to keep Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in front of him. So instead of dropping Nikola Jokic into the paint to force mid-range looks like they did against the San Antonio Spurs, the Nuggets were sending their bigs way up to the three-point line where the Portland Trail Boys were setting screens 27 feet from the rim to try and keep Damian Lillard in check. While that didn't work, they also allowed Enes Kanter to slip a ton of screens and basically get uncontested layups at the rim because the Nuggets were not willing to help off of corner three-point Shooters that combination of things allowed Enes Kanter to just have a field day in the rim. And I do wonder if Michael Malone makes an alteration here because he's not the kind of guy who can just stomach the fact that he is just bleeding points in the paint. So I personally would expect Michael Malone to start bringing those help defenders away from the three-point shooters in the corner to try and stop Ennis Kanter at the rim. They're going to end up stunning down lower, harder, and quicker than they did in this game, in my opinion. But with them doing that... They're going to have to live with the fact that Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu are going to be getting more corner three looks than they already got in game one. So that is going to be a causality of trying to limit the fact that Ennis Cantor was just eviscerating them with the rim. So that'll be an interesting alteration. But so long as Paul Millsap basically plays, you know, gets gets close to playing Ennis Cantor evenly and Nikola Jokic keeps doing what he's doing. It doesn't matter because you can just attack Ennis Kanter so much defensively right now. So it's going to be a very interesting look at how the Nuggets adjust to what the Blazers did to them. Because if they can slow Ennis Kanter at the rim and they can keep CJ McCollum in check, that's pretty much the series if you ask me. Moving forward, this was a very different game than what we saw against Portland. There was no defense played at all. I mean, Michael Malone was kind of frustrated with it and said that he needs to get his team to play some defense and get that back into the game. But to see the Nuggets shoot 50.6% from the field in 81 shots, to hit 12 of 29 three-pointers, to get to the free-throw line 31 times, the Nuggets were just attacking. Like, they were just getting downhill and doing everything it took to be the more aggressive team. To not be punched, but have a hit first mentality, as Michael Malone likes to say. And they did that for them to use um, a for them to attack a non-defensive team like Portland that intensely, it shows that the Nuggets play with a different sense of urgency in Game 1, and hopefully they'll be able to carry that over to Game 2. But even with that being said, the Nuggets let the Portland Trailblazers shoot almost 52% from the field, which was the highest mark that they have shot in the playoffs th- thus far. Additionally, they shot almost 38% from three and got to the free throw line 27 times themselves. So it wasn't as if the Nuggets' defense was something, to, you know, to marvel at, but the nuggets were able to take advantage of this non-defensive game more than Portland was, which I think was an interesting distinction. Another important aspect of all of this was the fact that the Nuggets bench unit kind of came back to life after struggling against Portland, or after struggling against San Antonio. Uh, Mason Plumlee was a disaster against San Antonio, but he came out and played very well in his, uh, wow, he played 25 minutes almost against the against the Portland Trailblazers. He was 2 of 4 from the field, had 6 rebounds, 2 of which were offensive, hit both of his free throws, had an assist to go with three five steals and a block shot in this game for six points was very very effective against the bench bigs of Portland. His plus minus is low or is isn't great. It's a minus 2. But <coughs> sorry but to me, that had a lot more to do with the fact that he was just on the floor when Rodney Hood went off. So I thought Mason Plumley was very good in this game. I thought Malik Beasley was very good in this game. Three of seven from the field, uh, one of two from the free throw line, hit two of his five three point attempts, had four rebounds, a very nice assist to Mason Plumley, and also got his hands on a steal and a block shot. Um, ended up being a plus six in his 27 minutes of playing time. He played more minutes than Torrey Craig did, actually, which I thought was a very interesting change by Michael. Alone, And also, Will Barton had a bounce-back game. I know it was only 3 of 8 shooting from the field, but 9 points and no only 1 turnover, was a good defender, got into the paint, really created well for his team. I mean, when the Nuggets are getting this kind of bench production that's going to be huge because you're winning the non-Lillard time on the floor. And then if you get Jokic outplaying Lillard, again, that is just something that is very difficult for the Portland Trailblazers to overcome. Um, and, they, and the Nuggets bench unit actually outscored Portland's bench unit despite the fact that Rodney Hood finally became an actual basketball player. Again, it had 17 points in 18 minutes on 5 of 10 shooting from the field and 3 of 4 from 3. So the fact that the Nuggets were able to outplay their bench unit with Rodney Hood going off is a very positive sign for... Them going forward, because if you can win those those non Lillard minutes, non Jokic minutes, it's going to give Denver a huge advantage down the line in the playoffs. Also, I do expect a lot more Rodney Hood in this game. He only played 18 minutes. I bet you we see a lot more. I bet you we start seeing him play near 25 minutes a game in this series. So just keep your eye on that. Um, the Nuggets have now won four straight home games in the playoffs that's a big deal they lost game one they won game two they won game five they won game seven against the Spurs and now they have won game one against Portland if the Nuggets can really use this home court dominance in the playoffs where they're actually feeding off the crowd and they feel comfortable and loose because like this was a game in which the Nuggets were just playing it like it was game 52 of the regular season there was no playoff jitters there was no um, extra excitement That was throwing them off of their game. They just went out there and played. And I think it was because they were at home. So the fact that their home court dominance is returning to this playoff setting is a very, very big deal for Denver. And that was a quick little anecdote I wanted to throw in there. And the last anecdote I wanted to throw in there before getting into some Twitter questions was how much of a bummer it is that Yusef Nurkic is not in this series. If Nurkic is in the series, the Blazers just defend Jokic straight up, you probably bench Mo Harkless, which would make their bench big significantly better and have al Aminu as your power forward. So, at that point... Alf Camino can kill Jamal Murray down low, they try and hide him on him. He's tall enough and stretchy enough to give Millsap fits. Then they have to play Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum much more straight up, and Nikola Jokic wouldn't be able to just eviscerate whoever's in front of them. So the matchup difference now without Nurkic in this matchup, it has weighted it to the Nuggets front court being the most important um Pairing that you're going to see in this series. It's really going to come down to, for me, is the Nuggets front court of Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic going to outplay the back court of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum? And in my opinion, the Nuggets have more options to defend the Portland Trailblazers guards than the Portland Trailblazers have to defend the Denver Nuggets bigs and that to me is going to be what changes the series and that's why it sucks that Nurkic isn't in the series because that becomes much more even with Nurkic in this series and would have made for a much more interesting series but as things stand right now the Nuggets know where they need to attack Portland and that is out on the glass and attack their bigs with their bigs. If they can do that and they can win that series without Damian Lillard scoring 40 points for the next 5 games, Denver has a very high chance of winning the series, so it was a very interesting game, and it's just it. Is, but it's still, it's a bummer that Nurkic is not in this series because we are being robbed. Of what would have been a much more interesting series, in my opinion. dive into what everyone knows is my favorite segment on this show which is answering questions from listeners who send them in via twitter or instagram or however else they get them to me um so let's just dive in from the get and i like this question because it allows us to have some uh What's the right term for it? It's an interesting conversation because the question is, who is the best player in the series? Is it Damian Lillard? Is it Nikola Jokic? They're very different players. I mean, clearly one's a guard. One is a center. One is an explosive individualistic scorer who can help his teammates. One is much more focused on helping his teammates, but can get his when he needs to at any given time. So in terms of their play style, they're actually quite different, but they do similar things for their team. So, I can't remember who this was and I'm sorry I'm forgetting it because it was a phenomenal point. I think it was James Herbert um outside the NBA on Twitter. He talked about how intelligence, the the high the just an extremely high basketball IQ is a much more translatable skill to the playoffs than in individ, than individ, individualistic scoring. So from that point of view, Nikola Jokic is always going to make the, ride, the right read. Whether he's getting doubled, whether he's getting blitzed, whether he has single coverage, whether he is a small or a big on him, whether they're stunting down from the weak side, he always knows what is coming at him. He processes these things like a supercomputer all at once, and it really becomes it looks instinctual, but all of this is methodically thought out by Nikola Jokic in my opinion. Yes, he is an artist that kind of just does things, but he knows what he's doing. This is not a randomness to his game when Damian Lillard he kind of he requires a lot more of an isolation a lot more of a um, I don't want to say selfish approach because he's not a selfish player at all but it's much more I need to get mine for my team to play well which is true for them so for me that's the differentiation is that Nikola Jokic he heightens his team he isn't his entire team and yes CJ McCollum's very good yes Rodney Hood had a very good game yes Enes Kaner has been helping them a ton throughout the playoffs there's a lot of helpful players on the Portland Trailblazers team but they require Damian Lillard to have freakishly ridiculous games so long as Yousef Nurkic is out this question is going to be a much tougher question to ask if Yousef Nurkic is healthy and he comes back fully healthy after this gruesome leg injury that he has dealt with but as things stand right now in this series, I think you have to say Nikola Jokic is the better player because he makes the weapons around him even more lethal than they already are. While Damian Lillard just doesn't have the roster construction with the injuries they are dealing with to do that in a similar sense. So I do think that that's what it comes down to. Yes, Damian Lillard can get hot and score from anywhere in ways that only Steph Curry can do. But that does not mean that Nikola Jokic's impact in production as a creator and a playmaker, in addition to his prowess, as a scorer, is not overwhelmed by that. Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, whether you want to call me or homer or not, is the better player in this series as things are currently constructed. The next question was, what is your take on officiating in this game? This came in from Mislav on Twitter. Um, this is a very tough question because the Whistles were arbitrary in this game. There were some very bad calls against Portland, there were some very bad calls against Denver, and they were very different calls. There was no consistency, rhyme or reason as to why these calls were being made by these officials. That was the infuriating part for me. It wasn't that it was extremely biased one direction. There's actually an argument that the Nuggets actually got the benefit of the doubt more often with the calls and the Blazers did, but it was still it was a um There's a very incremental difference there. There wasn't a big difference in the change from who was getting the worse end of the officiating, but the inconsistencies not just in this series, but across the entire playoffs, they've been infuriating, and I don't know what it's going to take, but these officials are not calling these games well, they're not calling them consistently. The way that I kind of um, the analogy I've been using if you're a baseball kind of person when you're listening to this is, it's like when an umpire is calling high strikes for one pitcher, low strikes for another, and his strike zone is just completely changing and is amorphous and is never where you expect it to be so you don't know how to go about playing within the confines of how the official is calling the game that has been my biggest issue with how officiating has been called in the series and you can even take that a step further and apply it to what happened between golden state and houston yes Golden State was crowding the air the the airspace of James Harden too much and yes James Harden was kicking his leg out more than normal but the fact of the matter is that the official called those fouls the entire the entire regular season and then just heel turned to 90 degrees and changed their entire thought process on how they were going to call Houston in the playoffs that is fundamentally wrong you are changing the game as an official as an act of god in ways that players cannot account or or prepare for And that's been my biggest qualm with the officiating, and that's my thing that I think needs to change. There just needs to be consistently. They're not going to be good. Just, if you're going to be bad, be consistently bad. Don't be inconsistently bad. I don't know how else to frame this, but the officiating has been infuriating, not just in this game one, not just in the seven game series, the Nuggets just finished, but across the playoffs as a whole. That's been my thing. Last question, what adjustments do you see the Trailblazers making in Game 2? Um, I'm just going to tease a couple of things I'm going to talk about in the next podcast, and I'm dedicating the next podcast to specifically adjustments the Nuggets and Trailblazers could make. Um, but for me, I think, and Jason Quick of The Athletic wrote a very good piece on this already, I think that they the Portland Trailblazers will throw Mo Harkless on Jamal Murray defensively in order to try and at least make the the two-man game between Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray more difficult. So what Jason Quick outlined in his piece was they're going to put Al Farouk Aminu onto Nikola Jokic, take Ennis Kanter off of him and put him onto Paul Millsap, and then have Mo Harkless guard Jamal Murray. That way, when Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray start running their two-man game, Aminu and Harkless can just switch it to try and keep everything in front of them. So that way Jamal Murray isn't curling off of a dribble handoff and getting downhill with, you know, all of this momentum behind him and this full-speed attack. If they can stop that, it might help them. But with that being said, Nikola Jokic is going to kill Aminu one-on-one. Paul Millsap is going to kill Enes Kanter one-on-one. And Jamal Murray has been very good at exploiting bigs who are defending him on the perimeter. So, yes, it's an interesting idea, but I do not think that that is going to be enough to be able to get Portland over the hump. So... We'll see. I'll I'll talk about that setup a lot more in the next podcast. I'll talk about the potential of Rodney Hood um, entering the starting lineup in the uh, the next podcast as well. And I'll talk about how the Nuggets can change things up with their defensive coverages in the pick and roll as well in the next podcast. So I will get into into these adjustments a lot more coming up. But Thank you guys for listening once again. This is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. It is now on all major podcast platforms. Stitcher, Player FM, uh, CastBox, Google Play, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, um, Apple Podcasts. All of those different platforms. You can now find the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. So please go subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. And please leave, leave a comment. Leave a review. Reach out to me in my inbox on Twitter. My DMs are open. Reach out to my email, which is in my Twitter bio. I am at TJ MBA on Twitter any feedback you guys have is appreciated and all of those subscribes listens comments reviews are extremely helpful for me to continue to progress this podcast more and more but until tomorrow when there is a new podcast that drops on Wednesday morning slash Tuesday night that is it for me stick around to this Denver Nugget Daily podcast it's going to be a fun ride through this playoff series also one last shout out to the regulators production group Rod Simba and Terrapin Care Station for keeping this podcast afloat thank you to all the listeners for sending in comments questions and interacting with everything that is going on and for sharing the podcast but until then keep it locked to mile high sports there will be a new a lot more conversations and a lot more articles up on the site very shortly we will talk to you guys after game two